Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before I get started, please make sure to head over to our website, www.limitless-estates.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's get into our show. Joining us today, we have Derek Clifford. Derek, thanks for being here. How's it going? It is a pleasure to be here with you guys. We're doing good. How are you? We are doing great as well. Well, before we head into today's interview, here is a little bit about Derek. Derek is a successful single and multifamily real estate investor. In just his first year of acquisitions, while working a full-time job, he was able to add 13 out-of-state units to his portfolio. Today, he is retired from his job and controls over 100 apartment units with over $10 million of assets under management. In addition, Derek is the author of the book, Part-Time Real Estate Investing for Full-Time Professionals, and podcast co-host of the Elevate Your Equity show. So we have so much we want to ask you today, so let's dive right in. And can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah, sure. Like you had mentioned in the bio read, my name is Derek Clifford. I'm currently a multifamily syndicator and multifamily investor. I graduated from doing single families while working a full-time job and got started back in about 2017. Since then, I've been in the corporate world up until about two months ago where I left my corporate world and ended up in real estate full-time. Congratulations. Perfect. Excited to have you here. As Alina mentioned, you wrote the book, Part-Time Real Estate Investing for Full-Time Professionals. So what advice do you have for busy professionals who want to get started or begin real estate investing? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of ways to cut this. When you get started, usually people are juggling a lot of different things. They have kids, they've got work commitments, they have their spouses, they have other things like, you know, PTA meetings or whatever it is that comes along with the role of being a parent and, and being an active community member. So I think the main thing is consistency. That is the absolute most important mm-hmm. thing. And the way that I was able to achieve that was to set up one time block before anyone got into the office. I went into work at 7 a.m. I beat all the traffic going into the office. And I used that one block of time when I had the whole office to myself to be able to dedicate to real estate investing, no matter what it was. If it was just planning what I was going to do for the rest of the week, even if I didn't have anything going on, or if it was reading a book, or if it was networking or getting out and asking questions on the forum or underwriting. I use that one hour block as my consistency basis every single day. So that was one of the the key things that helped move the ball for me. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I tell everybody, if you want to beat out 95% of your competition, just be consistent, right? Because being consistent over a month or two is pretty easy, but doing it day in, day out for years and years and years is what's going to separate you from your competition. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Awesome. So I know you recently retired from your full-time job, thanks to investing. How's that experience been for you? And talk a little bit about the transition. Yeah. you know, It's been something in the making for quite a while. There's been a lot of people or people that I've run into that say that they really enjoy what they do and that's okay. That's great. You know, Then I would consider seriously staying in your job. That's something you do. But for me, I just couldn't take being 
you know, the boss of anyone or being bossed around by anyone else, essentially. And so I wanted to be in the business of myself. I wanted to take the risks myself and then earn all of the profit for taking those risks. So it was just kind of like this mindset shift. So a lot of it came from just reading lots of books, getting educated and understanding that by working a job, I'm leaving a lot of potential on the table. You know, I'm trading eight hours a day, nine hours a day, sometimes 10 or 11 hours for the potential of having a lifetime of, you know, just financial freedom and time freedom and locational freedom. So how long has it been since you left your full-time job? It's been about two to three months right now. Yeah. Can you tell me how that transition was? Because I remember it like it was yesterday, leaving my full-time job. I was in corporate America for 20 years, basically left my full-time job. And here I was, you know, starting my own business essentially, but it's, you know, it's kind of my first few months were a little bit lost in translation, I guess you can say on what to do and how to use my time. Have you seen that? What's your transition been like? Yeah. You know, it's really funny what the universe will do. If you have prepped everything and you are ready to take on this role, at least for me, when I escaped the rat race, I had a whole bunch of opportunities already lined up. So it was kind of like I dropped one full-time job and picked up another one, except this one is really kind of just, it's it's much more rewarding because I get to reap the rewards of everything that I do and I get to decide when and where and how I work. Um, and so that's kind of how it was. So really, you know, to tell you the truth, Kyle, I gave my employer three months notice that I was leaving. And I gave them plenty of time because I didn't want to just kind of coast along in my job and then just wait for them to fire me. That's a low integrity move. But at the same time, I also knew that that. there were all these opportunities coming up that needed my attention. So I took the middle ground, which I gave my employer three months notice and pretty much told them that I'm ready to train anyone. And then they gave me someone to train. And I really kind of was aggressive on the handoff and the handover. So the transition was actually pretty smooth. And then when the final day came, it was like, I really didn't have too much to do in the office anyway. So Mm -hmm. I was able to plan it out really nicely. But the important thing for people who are planning on potentially leaving their jobs is to make sure that before you do this, you have a skill base to work off of. (laughs) Because if you quit your job and you have no source of income, and then you don't have a skill base, you're trying to build up, like I wouldn't recommend that because that's just adding unnecessary stress. So you should build your network and your knowledge base while you still have a job to give yourself the skills and equip yourself so that when you do leave, you can actually do something with them and hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So I mentioned that you retired from your full-time job, but obviously you're still working. Do you think retirement really should be the goal for all people leaving their W-2 to get into full-time real estate investing? Or what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Yeah, good question. I think that the word retirement has a lot of connotations to it, or it's got a lot of like, you know, images that are attached to it whenever someone mentions that word. And I think that you never really should be retiring from life because if you do, that means that you're dead. So I don't, I don't recommend that. I think that really what retirement means in the traditional sense is that you're giving up trading your time for a paycheck or living within the bounds of a paycheck that your employer gives to you, right? And so I think that retirement really means having choices. And I think that once you cross that threshold of retirement, it means that you get to choose what it is that you do. I mean, my parents are in retirement right now. It just means that they have more choices, right? So they still choose to work, but they have the choice now to be able to do what they want. So I think that's a misnomer when people think of retirement. Yeah, I think about it as doing something that I want to be a lifelong learner on. I was talking at an event this past week and I said the same thing, you know, don't just find what you're passionate about. 
find something that you can be a lifelong learner on, right? In real estate, I love learning about it. I educate myself every day on it, but it's not work to me. It's something that I want to learn about. And that way it doesn't feel like work. And that way you're engaged, you know, much longer than I think people say retirement. Yeah, is, is a misnomer definitely nowadays. So you and your wife started on this investing journey together, I believe, kind of like my wife and I. So what advice do you have for others wanting to get their spouse involved or partner on board when in this investing journey? Mm. So, you know, a lot of people say vision, right? A lot of people t- start there and say, hey, you know, sit down and drop a vision together. But really, you know, I think it starts before that, you guys. I'd like to hear your opinions on this too. But for me, it was listening listening to your spouse and understanding what it is that drives them and what they're motivated to do. So before you even approach the conversation of, all right, sweetheart, what vision do you want to set together? What does your life look like in three to five years if you had to choose, right? Or if you could choose, and then you kind of go from there, right? But I think it all starts before there. You have to know your spouse to know exactly when to have the conversation, because if you don't pick that moment correctly, you only get one chance, at least the first impression of it, right? I mean, you can obviously work on it over time, but to maximize the, you know, the amount of communication and the amount of productivity, I definitely recommend listening and waiting for the right moment to be able to say this. And then at the same time, also understanding where the other person is coming from and in the responses that you give, try to connect at their level and, and bring in language to them. And for every one I, there should be 99 we's in that conversation. Yeah, I I love that. And I completely agree with you. Yeah, Lolita and I, when we were getting started, this was actually while we were still dating, I think, and then we had just gotten engaged, but we wanted to make sure we were on the same page. So even setting our one year goals, and we have separate goals that we set for ourselves, and then also team goals. And then we also did a five year goal. And it's not just about one person's opinion. It's about our opinion together about what our life wants to be in five years. So you're doing it together. So that we is very important. 100%. So you obviously contribute a lot of success to your wife. Tell us more about how that was with getting her on board and working with her and kind of supporting one another. You know, I'm actually kind of spoiled because if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be investing in real estate at all. If you guys have read Who Not How or some of the other Mm -hmm. books that are out there, there's mention of an integrator and a visionary, right? I would very much say that my role here at what we do is the integrator and my wife is pretty much the visionary. So that's how we were able to get this all to work. She was the one that was able to help us like scale up and leverage. And she was the one that basically introduced us in the first place as to how to get into real estate investing at all. She had a condo. This is a whole nother story that we can talk about another time. But without her, I wouldn't even be interested in real estate. So her and I kind of work together. I'm doing a lot of the underwriting and the connections. She's doing a lot of the capital raising and a lot of the team effort behind the scenes, like enabling the team and empowering the team. So we're working together to achieve some great stuff. So without her, this just wouldn't be possible. And um, one thing I wanted to add to that too, you guys, is that you know in this business that mindset is everything. And she's definitely the driver behind that because I'm a firm believer that, and I say this all the time on my podcast, so I apologize for those of you guys who've listened to me and I'm repeating myself. But if you have an eight-figure mindset, right? It's just a matter of time before your outside world will catch up to you. On the, on the other hand, if you have a five-figure mindset, same thing. It's going to be a matter of time before that catches up with you as well. So if you can keep your mindset in the place where you're being challenged, you know, you're in alignment with your values and you're just doing good things, right? And you love what you do. And like you said, Kyle, you're always learning and enjoying that process. 
then I think that you're going to continue to have an elevated mindset, which means your outside world is just going to manifest that. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And it's kind of what I say too, but in a different way, as I say, surround yourself with other people who are already doing what you want to be doing, right? So if you're going to be hanging around people who are, you know, worth tens of millions of dollars, or you're going to hang out with people who are making a $30,000 salary, you're going to have a much different mindset and actually growth mindset in those two scenarios, right? And so I always say surround people who are always doing things that you want to be doing. So you're always growing. So you mainly, I believe, invest in out-of-state properties. And I always find it interesting to get the reason why you're investing out-of-state. We used to invest out-of-state, and then we moved to the state in which we invest so we can now be in-state investors. What are some of the reasons you invest out-of-state? Well, Kyle, there's two reasons. And both of them have to do with scalability, but from a different point of view. Scalability mindset number one or perspective number one, is the fact that you pretty much have the entire market to pick from in the United States, right? So if you learn how to do one market out of state really well, then you can achieve scale in that market by leveraging your unfair advantage in the one that you're living in. So a classic example would be an investor on the West Coast or on the East Coast who has a big W-2 salary or a high W-2 salary, that can buy you a lot of property in the Midwest, right? So having that is one thing. The other perspective of scalability, I'm sure you guys know that I'm going here, but it's the fact that once you learn how to do one out-of-state market, now you can do it anywhere. So you have the ability to, once you learn how to do something in a different market out-of-state, you can build it up in any other market that you want to. So in theory, you know that real estate is very cyclical. So it goes up and down in different markets and depending on the temperament of your investors, or if you want to offer a whole bunch of different things for any investor, right? One that maybe wants cash flow or one that's okay, waiting for the appreciation and just wants the tax benefits up front, you have something for everyone. And so that's kind of why we decided to do out-of-state investing. Give me your top two or three things that a new investor who is going to decide to invest out of state needs to kind of get in line before they do make that move? Absolutely. Number one is the network. Need to have the network in place of other people that are already investing in that market. And the second thing is underwriting, having experience in underwriting what property you're going to acquire. So if you have those two things, along with the consistency piece that we talked about earlier, it's just a matter of time before you're going to end up with property in your, in your hand. If you have a network that's able to support you, you may find some people that have capital and want to find deals, and then maybe you end up finding the deals for them. Or maybe you have your own capital, and then you can find the deals. And you go ahead and do that first for proof of concept, and then you start bringing other people in. I think having the network and having the underwriting, those are the two key pieces that will get you there along with the consistency. Yeah, for me, it's the underwriting piece. You nailed it. I think a lot of people think that there's a rule of thumb for the entire nation as far as how to underwrite multifamily. And it's just not right. A lot of people use the right. 50% rule, but depending on the market, it could be a 60% rule in that market or a 40% rule in another market based on just taxes and insurance alone. So absolutely, you've got to understand how to invest in your market that you're investing in or underwrite in the market that you're investing in because they're completely different from market to market. 100%. So what is your favorite market right now and why? Well, you know, I invest in three markets. And so the markets are Colorado Springs, San Antonio and Austin, and then Indianapolis. And right now, just because of the environment that we're in, you guys, I'm really liking the Midwest and these tertiary markets just because, you know, you have inflationary forces. So if you can buy a product and then have it cash flow with long-term debt in place, then you'll be in a good situation. And the way that I underwrite things right now in the Midwest is I look for a 60% economic occupancy 
And if the property can't afford its bills at that level, we don't make an offer. If it can, so what that means is that if we only have 60% of all of the potential income coming in into the property and we can't make hit all of our expenses and pay the debt payment, then it's not worth going on. Because right now I understand we're in an inflationary market. I have no idea what's going to happen. There's a lot of growth in these tertiary markets, but this is my way of protecting the investors. And I really like these tertiary markets because there's more growth and the cap rates are very high. So there's a lot of room to grow if the population starts going that way and if climate change starts changing demographic movement around the country. How are you finding your deals right now? Two ways, mainly through brokers and off-market deals, just because we've done repeat business with them. But the second is we're, we're getting a system set up. Where we're going direct to seller for some of the smaller properties, you know, 36 and lower, 36 units and lower. We're doing text message marketing as well. Got it. All right, Lolita's is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? That sounds great. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. All right, Derek, here we go. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Oh, man. So I'm a project manager at heart. That's what I used to do in my full-time job. So I definitely need a project management tool like Asana and then integration tools to that like Zapier and Calendly. Things like that are just lifesavers. Can you tell us a story about maybe one of your biggest mistakes in real estate investing so far and the main takeaway for our listeners? (laughs) Yeah. So One of the very first JVs that I got into um, is an 18 unit property and there were some commercial spaces on the bottom and everything. And we did all the numbers and everything like that. And I just didn't vet out the partners that I was going to be getting into this JV with very well. I knew two of them. And then these other two brought in this third partner with me. And this partner went out and pretty much fired all of my local contacts there. And I was the one who was sourcing the deal and also bringing the team. So we were left without a property manager and without a contractor. So it's a really, really long story. There was stuff stolen from us from contractors because we were hiring people off Craigslist. And it just was, it was a nightmare. So the main takeaway from that is understand who your partners are. <laughs> so just like how you vet a property before you buy it, you underwrite the property. You have to do the same thing with the actual partner that you're going to get into business with. Yep. So important. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Yeah, you know, I think it's mainly mindset at this point. I'm realizing that capital and deals are just coming. It's just for me, I have to be a bigger person to be able to set those challenges and step up and make the goals even higher. So I think it all starts with mindset. So really just consuming the right resources, surrounding myself with the right people and just getting in alignment with achievement and success is the right thing. Great. And lastly, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, the easiest place to do that is just go to my website, which is elevateequity.org. There we have links to the book, our podcast, our YouTube channel, basically anything that you could ever want about what it is that we do. It's all there. Great. Well, Derek, thanks so much for sharing your journey with our listeners today and for being on our show. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. 
You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.